This is the Sibling Library Podcast. You will know when to start listening when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. Welcome listeners to chapter 31 of Sibling Library, the podcast where we read, share, and repeat. Uh, You have me as your host tonight, or today, or whenever you're listening to this, Katie, and I'm joined by my two sisters, Megan and Julia. Megan, say hello. Hello. Julia, say hello. Hello. Wow. She actually did it. (laughs) All right. Thank you for playing along. So before we get into the main discussion of our episode, we wanted to go around and talk a little bit about some of the things that we're currently reading and give our listeners a few recommendations. Does anybody want to start? Megan does. I knew she did. Awesome. Good for it, Meg. (laughs) Um, Well, I have had an ambitious start to the year. I've already read 11 books, which puts me six books ahead of schedule on my Goodreads challenge for the year. Um, Show off. I know. Um, And part of that is because I'm doing the Solano County Library Reading Challenge, which um, I think is only actually 20 books. But if you complete it, you get some pins and the pins are really cute because they're nature themed. So I got to I got to get those. Um, But the, the way the reading challenge works is like you pick different books for various categories and the categories are like kind of random like some are a book that is the cover of it is your favorite color or a book that you happens in a place that you want to visit yeah or a book that you randomly choose off of a shelf or something like that um that's fun yeah i've been enjoying it so if you're in solano county um i would highly recommend even if yeah even if you're not check your library and if they have bean stacks see what kind of reading challenges they're doing yeah it's fun um so some of the highlights from what i've read so far i guess would be um i really liked the couple next door which was uh the gift that julia gave me in our december episode um and katie i know enjoyed that one too i don't know if you were gonna mention not as that, much though i think katie enjoyed I, I it more than i did I let's I thought just you enjoyed say, it more. I enjoyed it, but it didn't keep me up past my bedtime. Oh, right. I forgot. <laughs> I was going to say, let's it's, just say. It's I good twists. Yes, it's very good twists. It keeps you very on the edge of your seat. And what it lacks in um, stylistic flair and writing style, it makes up for in suspense. Mm-hmm. So I, I laid, usually when I read at night, I, I, I typically prefer reading in the morning. I'm more alert um, at night. I'm, it usually puts me to sleep. So I laid down at about 8.30 thinking I'd be asleep by 9. I had, was, had been about halfway through the book at that time, and I stayed up past 11.30 and re- read the rest of the book straight through. So You ripped right through um, it. I ripped right through it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that one was a good one. Um, my, probably. <laughs> Sorry, Katie took it over. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I kind of handed it over to her. Um, 
my, probably my favorite book that I've read so far is The Forest of Vanishing Stars by Kristen Harmel. It's a World War II historical fiction. I wrote an in-depth blog review about it that is posted to our podcast blog. Siblinglibrary.com. Thank you. So if you want to hear more about that, go check it out there. Um, and then... The last one that I'll mention is The Housemaid, which is actually uh, by Frida McFadden, which was another gift uh, from Julia. She got this for me for Yola Bocaflot, Um, and it was another kind of twisty, turny, suspenseful mystery um, that I enjoyed. It was a bit twisted for my taste, so I don't think I'll be reading the second one. Uh, at least not anytime soon, but it's also like it kind of led into the epilogue kind of led into what the second one's going to be about. And it just the premise of the first one was far fetched and the premise of the second one seems like it's going <laughs> to follow the premise of the first one. And I just have a hard time believing that the same thing could happen twice. So I I think I mean, you watched all of the seasons of Pretty Little Liars, so that's true but i don't know that i want to repeat that <laughs> pattern so i'm gonna hand the housemaid to julia because she said she wanted to read it after i was done and then i will see what she thinks of whether i should read the next one or not good deal mm-hmm. what you got yeah, Jewel? that's the, some prolific reading yeah well not to be outdone but i have read 13 books so far this year jays i'm on track because um, what is your goal? 150, 125? 125 this year. Ugh. Um let me No, I have read that many. Um but the ones that I want to highlight I read Watership Down, which was one of my um bucket list books, but I think I think I would need to actually read that book because I listened to it and it was distracted reading. So yeah. I don't think I got all, but I, I think I told you, Megan, it was interesting because there was a, it was an anniversary edition. Um, and in the introduction, the author said that he never actually intended to write this book. He was on a long car ride with his kids and they would often ask him to like just tell them stories and this was the story that he came up with and his oldest daughter was like you should really write that down and so he did and then he had to um shop it out for a while before a publisher picked it up so wasn't it wasn't a slam dunk for him at the beginning but it has never been out of print since it was first published and julia only gave it a three (laughs) (laughs) i told you i need to read it again yeah i think you should give it another chance it was it was so many characters i always have a hard time with a lot of characters they're rabbits of course there's a million of them but i'm ching (laughs) not a joke (laughs) i'm serious (laughs) um but anyway so i i do plan on reading that one again and I followed Megan's uh, lead and I wrote a blog post, not quite as in-depth as hers, about a book that I just read called Normally This Would Be Cause for Concern, Tales of Calamity and Unrelenting Awkwardness, which I can relate to on a very deep level, just that title. 
Love that title. <laughs> and it was written by Danielle Fischel. And if you don't know who that is, you clearly aren't a Boy Meets World fan because it is Topanga. the actress who brought Topanga to life. Topanga. Um, and it was, it was, it's not, it's not really a biography. It's more of a memoir of just some very relatable, very ridiculous things that have happened in her life. And it was funny and charming. And, and I'm glad I, stumbled across well I didn't really stumble across it because she mentioned it on her podcast called Pod Beats World and if you haven't listened to that you should listen to that but listen to ours first yeah <laughs> um so that's just a couple that I wanted to mention read and enjoyed sort of very nice so I'm looking at my uh, Goodreads challenge I've also read 13 but geez I thought um, I was killing it Meg, yours are you all are, chapter are books, actually, though. Actually, Mine. one of them was a children's book, like picture book. So, but I I don't count it. the picture That's book. Okay. It was about gardening. You can count. It. I read. I read the Caldecott winner, and I didn't count it. Oh, you should count that. Yeah, it's called Hot Dog, and it was very cute. Uh, hot diggity <laughs> dog. You should count that. Uh, Sorry, Kitty. Mine is. That's all right. Um, mine is heavily padded with graphic novels. That is the majority of mine. And as I was scrolling through mine, I was like, geez, I thought I read more novels. But I realized <laughs> that that was in December, so it was part of last year. Yeah. Um, because I started in on some of the the gifts that we gave each other. Because um, I read... Um, Walk Two Moons. Walk Two Moons. But that was in December. Um, and I read... Shoot, now what was the other one? I need to go back to the old challenge to look at that. Um, neither here nor there. But again, most of mine thus far in 2023 have been uh, graphic novels. Um, of those, to note, I would say, we already mentioned uh, The Couple Next Door. That's one of the, the um, novels that I've read. But of graphic novels, I would highly recommend Heartstopper. Um, everything that's out there. Um, there are currently four volumes, I, I believe, available in print uh, by Alice Oseman is the name of the, the writer. And it is a um, LGBTQ um, young adult romance type of story. They also turned um, it into a show, right? And they turned it into a show, yes. Um, so I have not watched any of the show yet, but I've heard really good things. So I'm, I'm excited to watch that too. It's just adorable, heartwarming and very, um, very real about some some heavy subjects that can be that are just part of real life. Um, so I would highly recommend that one. And I just finished um, a couple days ago uh, over the weekend a book called "My Boyfriend Is a Bear" by Pamela Rib Ribbon or Ribbon. It, it's Ribbon with one B, um, so it could be Ribbon, I suppose. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. But it is um, exactly what the title says. It is a girl who is dating a straight-up bear. Not a cute, like, humanized one that talks, but a bear that she meets in the woods, and he moves in with her. And what complications might come along with those, Hold on. The, with that relationship? Yeah, what's your question? Did they live in a big blue house? <laughs> no, it was an apartment, I think. So it wasn't bear in the big I blue think. house. No, no. This is separate. From I'm that. getting blank That's looks from show, Julia. Right? 
I know Bear in the Big Blue House. Wasn't that a a Nick show? Julia's just planning on cutting this out. That's why there's no reaction. It's not. It's not worth engaging. She's just taking down the time. She used stamp. to. I just. I bring that up because Julia used to make fun of me for having certain boyfriends on the TV, and Bear in the Big Blue House was one right. of them. Do you remember who your others were? Face. Mm-hmm. And I don't. And know. the the frog, right from Gullah Gullah Island. Binya, 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 Binya. Uh huh. Was he? That's what I remember. And stick stickly. <laughs> he was just a good time. I don't know if he was ever my boyfriend. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Our 90s are showing. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, Katie. Continue. My boyfriend is a bear. That's okay. My boyfriend is a bear. So all of the, the things that might come along with dating a bear up to and including... What happens when it's time for the bear to hibernate? So it's really cute. Um, nothing graphic about it um, other than maybe some bear poop. But, you know, like they're dating and there's, you know, indication that they're romantic and, and intimate. But all you really see on the page is cuddling. So it's very it's very cute and um, and heartwarming. So I would recommend that one. All right. Are we ready to to talk about the main event? Yeah. No. No? Okay, what else do you want to talk about, Julia? I thought you had a word for us. That's part of the main event. Oh. Okay. Word? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very well set up. Thank you. Um, so as we pitched on our prior uh, prior chapter, we this month wanted to read a romance novel together for the month of February. Uh, Valentine's Day is coming up. So for the month of February, we decided to read a romance novel together. Uh, We bought each other Galentine's Day gifts. So we each got a copy of It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover and wanted to get together and talk about it. Uh, To kind of introduce that, we thought we would kick off the, the... discussion with an O word, and we're going to cover the word romance. So to define the word, um, it is a, as a noun, it is a feeling of excitement and mystery associated with love, a quality or feeling of mystery, excitement, and remoteness from everyday life, a medieval tale dealing with a hero of chivalry, the kind of, the kind common in romance languages. So that's the literary genre of romance, the way that it's described in Oxford Dictionary. Um, It could also be a work of fiction dealing with events remote from real life, especially one of a kind of one of a kind popular in the 16th and 17th centuries. Um, And when referring to music, it can be a short informal piece. Um, Romance can also be used as a verb and could be um, could mean to court or to woo. Um, and it could be another term for romanticize. So um, that's the definition piece of it. Uh, as as part of this, I also found a really fun article that I thought we could delve into. Um, before we jump into that, though, I wanted to uh, run through a quick uh, synopsis of the book so that um, as we run through this article, it lays out the different uh, subgenres within romance and some of the tropes. And I thought we could categorize this book within that. So... I'm going to take a crack at 
synopsizing this book with assistance from Julia and Megan where they would like to to jump in and feel free to jump in at any point if you want to interrupt me or that or wait to the end and fill in what I missed. Do we need um, to try to keep it super brief? Do we need to throw in a spoiler warning? Yeah, we do. This is going to be super spoilery. <laughs> so if you haven't read it ends with us. Um, just know that we're gonna we're gonna get into what actually happens in the book. So if you don't want to be spoiled, um, maybe come back to this episode once you've once you've read the book. Thank you, Megan. That was a close call. You're welcome. All right. So it ends with us is a book about um, a female centers around a female protagonist. Her name's Lily, and it actually opens up with the the death of her father who we learn later in the novel was quite the piece of work. Um, he was very abusive to her mother uh, and sometimes to her. So they had a, a complicated relationship and um, that kind of formed a lot of her understanding and um, perceptions of, of love and relationships going into her adulthood. So um, we, we meet her in her early twenties, I think mid twenties. Um, and she, uh, runs into, um, has a, has a, I wouldn't call it a meet cute because it was a little bit dark, <laughs> but, um, she met, uh, a, a character named, did you guys say it in your head as Riley or Ryle? Ryle. It's spelled R. R-Y-L-E. You both said Ryle. I said Ryle. And let me tell you, the first note I wrote about this book was that Ryle is a stupid name. I apologize if any of our <laughs> listeners are named Ryle, but it just, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, we'll get into that later. I, I won't get too deep. Does someone else want to wrap it up from here? Because I am getting in the weeds. Save me. No? Please? <laughs> Megan, uh, <laughs> do you want to try? <laughs> I feel like you can say it more simply than me. I just am so into the story. I'm, I just, so I'm basically, keep going. this book is about a girl who grew up in an abusive home, fell in love when she was a teenager. Uh, then they had to part, and she ends up in a what seems to be a perfect relationship, but ends up mirroring the relationship her mother had with her father. Meanwhile, her first love comes back into the picture and she has to deal with her abusive husband and what that means for her mm -hmm. going forward. Perfect. So we have now synopsized. <laughs> it ends with us. Um, so like I, I mentioned earlier, I think it would be fun for us to walk through this article that tells us what is a romance novel um, and what are some of the subgenres. So I'll walk through that. Um, this article can be found on shereadsromancebooks.com. Uh, and the, the subtitle to that is Because Life is Better with a Love Story. Super cute. And the title of the article is The Ultimate Guide to the Romance Genre and Romance Tropes. We're going to take a fun quiz at the end of this. So if any of you listeners would like to follow along with this and take the quiz with us, that's where you'll find the, uh, the article. All right. So what is a romance? What is the romance genre? 
this article defines it uh, by two aspects that can be found in every romance book or novel. The first is a central love story between characters. And the second is an emotionally satisfying, happy ending. Check and check. You'd say yes to both of those for this book? Yeah. Julia's not so sure. No, I agree. Okay. Now, do we think the central love story is between her and Ryle or between her and Atlas? Or is it between her and her daughter? So that's, that's a big twist in the book. I'm sure we'll get into that as we get into the discussion. I, that is a tough question. I asked that about myself too, but it doesn't say between two characters. It says a central love story between characters. So I guess just the center of the story is about love. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you I could so. with I this one, you could you that. could even talk about it about her with her mom too, because she ends up mm-hmm. understanding her mom better than she ever could have guessed. Yeah. Yeah. And bonding with her somewhat i would agree and emotionally satisfying happy ending was it emotionally satisfying and happy for for both of you yes and i it go ahead joel i the only thing was i don't it just all the whole thing like yes it was satisfying but it just felt too clean I was going to say really? something similar. Like, I felt like it was emotionally satisfying, and I feel like it could have ended with her. This is a big spoiler, you guys. It could have ended with her just the the page where she breaks things off with Ryle. Like, I don't feel like we needed the end of her and Atlas getting back together. Like, I feel like that could have come in on the sequel. Sorry, Kate. But I feel like that was emotionally <laughs> satisfying, and then that would have... I would have really agreed with Julia that the the central love story would have been a mother and daughter story. Mm-hmm. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, I I wouldn't have cl- thought it was very clean in terms of, I mean, I guess when you're saying clean, emotionally, it was, like it was wrapped up. Yeah, emotionally it was gutting, but it just right. felt like everything that happened just happened in these little boxes and like she thought so clearly about everything like I just don't know though to be fair Colleen Hoover grew up in a an abusive house too so maybe I'm speaking from having no knowledge or experience with it so maybe it's maybe it is that way and I just Mm -hmm. I was just trying to put myself in the character and thinking I would be much more of a wreck than than she is. Like, not that she wasn't upset or hurt by anything that happened, because she obviously was, but I just felt very clean. That's maybe not the right word, but yeah, I think um I think maybe kind of the the closer to reality. Go ahead. Yeah, I would associate 
abuse with more chaos and Mm -hmm. just chaos. Yeah, probably closer to reality would have been that that Ryle would have not been as cooperative with her decision to leave him. So in in every instance, he was completely cooperative with her. Yeah, which the part part of the story that we're leaving out is he his explanation for his bouts of violence was that basically I think it was some sort of uh, like dissociative disorder yeah like mm-hmm. ptsd where, or something yeah because when he was a kid he went he shot his brother in the head with accidental home shooting like there was a, a gun in the house and he shot his brother in the head um which is part of which is the reason why he go, goes into neurosurgery as an adult and he has anger management issues that depending on what's mm-hmm. happening he just blacks out and is yeah. completely unrecognizable which right. is when he hurts Lily. Right. So it's complicated. It's not as simple as this is a bad person because when she sees him normally, when he's not triggered or he's upset like too good to be stressed, true. He's the perfect man, um, and she's in love with him. Um, and and she describes, you know, the the pain that he causes. He's the only one that can bring her comfort. He's the only one that can fix it. Like it's his arms. It's his love that makes her feel better. Um, so that's what you were saying, Julia. She really starts to understand what her mom was going through. Um, when you love someone, they're the ones that can hurt you the, the most. Um, and often they're the ones that can that can alleviate that hurt, even though the hurt may happen again. So, um, so yeah, he... Like you said, he's very cooperative with it because he understands this about himself, and it's part of why initially he told her he's he doesn't do relationships. Um, you know, he's in therapy for this. It's not something that he's unaware of or doesn't know it happens. Um, so he's he's kind of scared of himself too. But they they come up with a an agreement that if he's ever feeling that way, he needs to ask her for help, and the problem comes in that he's not able to do that. Um, there's some, the, some jealousy starts to happen about Atlas as Atlas becomes more and more back in her life. And he can't, he can't understand that. And he's very jealous of that. And that brings him stress. And that led to like the final, um, the final abuse. Um, I think there were three different instances of it in the book where he, he physically assaulted her. Um, and, each time he's super apologetic, um, and and after the last time, and she has she's taken to the hospital. She she goes to Atlas, and Atlas takes her to the hospital. Um, she finds out there that she's pregnant with Ryle's baby, and now she's at that point she'd already made the decision. I think that she wasn't going to stay with him. Maybe 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 she hadn't at that point. I can't recall. Um, she didn't. She didn't made, decide that until the baby was born. Right. That's true. Yeah, she she didn't know what to do, um, but it 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 was. I, I think that's the that's kind of the the out for why he was so cooperative each time was he had this thing about himself that he knew and he kind of viewed himself as a monster, so he was he had a lot of shame about it and you know again how close to reality is this probably not very, but. Um, but she had to find a, Colleen Hoover had to find a way to make Ryle still genuinely likable. 
And it's like because yeah, he, also he obviously is going to be in the next book as well, yeah, to some I extent. He is because they got a baby together. So, all right. So I think we're we're mostly in agreement. I mean, we went into a little bit of conversation there about uh, there about whether it's a satisfying and happy ending. Um, why the answer is the yes. Happy? I just thought it was like the whole book, the whole way through was just a little too. Like, perfect is a weird word, but, I, like, you have to read it to, like, understand what I'm saying, maybe. I think I know what you mean, but I'm not sure how to explain it either. Why don't we break to take the quiz? I think, um, if listeners, if you're interested in this article um, and you're interested in the book, it could it would be fun to read through what are some subgenres within, uh, with, within the romance novel genre and what are some tropes within... Um, the romance genre. There's a lot of them listed here, so um, we were going to try to go through a few, but I think that would that would probably be a lot for one episode. So, um, are you two ready to take a quiz? Sure, sure. All right. So let me get myself there. So this is a quiz to determine what type of romance book you would be based on your personality. All right, so we're not going to share our individual answers, but we can share our results if we want to at the end. I'll walk through the questions. Unless someone else would like to read the questions. I don't want to usurp the whole microphone power. I can read the questions. Thank you, Megan. The first question is, what is your love language? And the options are words, actions, physical touch, Time, gifts, or I have no clue. Question two is what TV show would you binge watch? Ted Lasso, Friends, Felicity, Bridgerton, Yellowstone, or Sex Slash Life? Is that a, is that a show? I've never heard of that last one. I have neither. Uh, the third question is what's your favorite outfit to wear? Leggings and a sweater? Anything short and tight, a flowing dress, trousers and a blouse, yoga pants and a tank top, or jeans and a top. Question four, what's your go-to snack? Chips, smoothie, dark chocolate, sushi, pretzels, or scone? Where would you, uh, question five is where would you go on an all-expenses-paid vacation? Ibiza? New York City, Scotland, Canyon Ranch Spa, don't know where that is, Paris, or Miami Beach. And the last question, what's your ideal first date? Going to a jazz club, taking a walk on a beach, seeing a movie, going to a party, going to a five-star restaurant, or going to a sporting event? Did you guys get your results yet? Yep. Um, I would be a new adult romance book. My youthful, carefree personality suggests that I'd be a new adult romance book. In my eyes, I take each day as it comes, never planning too far into the future. Well, that's inaccurate. 
I love to have fun and hang with my friends. I'm not supposed to be playing the field, or I'm not opposed to playing the field, but when you meet the one, I'm all in. If I'd be, or if you'd be a new adult romance, then you'll love reading one of the best college romance books worth reading. Check out the book list below. So mine um, definitely shows our difference in age, and I love the description. Mine, uh, you would be a historical romance novel. Your whimsical personality suggests you'd be a historical romance. You expect your partner to be romantic and maybe even a bit proper. Finding your mate, you want to be courted, and when things heat up, your partner would ask your father for your hand in marriage. If you'd be a historical romance, then you'd love reading one of these best historical romance novels worth reading. Yeah, so there's then it takes you to a list. And I got Friends to Lovers Romance Book. The Life of the Party. Perfect. Your personality suggests you'd be a Friends to Lovers Romance Book. You're the person everyone wants to be around, and you never sacrifice your friend group for your relationship. Ideally, you'd fall for one of your closest friends who'd be your perfect partner, making it easy to merge relationships and friendship. I don't think I'm the life of the party. <laughs> you can be. It depends who's <laughs> at the party. Yeah, you can be. You can be. That was really fun. I would have thought that it, we would have had at least one the same as each other. Me too. We usually do, but we had no overlap. It was cool. All right, check out that website. It's pretty cool. I think I'm going to play around on there. There's a lot of different articles that it links to from from uh, different quizzes that you take, and, and it's got links to different things. So fun little rabbit hole to fall down. Once again, it's shereadsromancebooks.com. All right. So um, getting back to our discussion about It Ends With Us, a um, couple other questions that we had and, and we were kind of, we've kind of already touched upon a little bit that I'd like to delve into a little deeper. Um, were there any moments in the book that surprised or shocked you? Um, I was shocked when she found out she was pregnant. I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, but it made was it like a. <gasps> Kind of, but it also made sense why her Atlas taking her to the hospital wasn't like the end of the book, why there was still like 100 pages left because there was more story to be told. But yeah, it was kind of like a dang it, she was going to get out of this, but now she has this mm -hmm. extra layer. Right. How about you, Julia? No, I, like I said, I wasn't really, it all just kind of unfolded. I wasn't shocked or surprised by anything. Yeah. Especially with the way that she was telling the story and like going back and forth from her witnessing abuse when she was a child. I was like, there's, she's telling us this for a reason. So, yeah. and just Ryle seemed too perfect. So I was also not so much, <gasps> But more like, oh, when we found out, like, all of Ryle's backstory and what happened with his brother, um, mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting that either. Yeah. No, I, I wasn't at all. I, I think what I was most surprised by was how much I still 
part of me was still rooting for Ryle, even when this was happening. And that's not something I expected, but I think that's, that was part of why, like you said, she needed, she needed the reader to have a reason to still like him for him to still be likable. Um, I think she did a really good job of that because it became the emotional response to what's happening, both within the the main character's mind and the reader that's experiencing it. it. It gets super complicated. It's not like this guy's bad and the end, right? Which is basically what she thought about her dad. Yes. Mm-hmm. And was why it was so confusing for her because she always told herself, like, I would never, this would never happen to me. I would, if something like that were to happen, like, I'd, I'd be gone. I would end it. It would, not, it would not let it happen to me. And then. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing that surprised me is towards the end where she was really grappling with deciding what to do. So, um, you know, after, after she got pretty, pretty badly hurt by Ryle and went to the hospital, he kind of removed himself from the situation for a while. They didn't really talk about anything. He just, he went to, um, it was some sort of, sort of an internship or a, a job overseas that he left for like a few months. So he didn't even know she was pregnant during this time. Um, so she kind of had some time to to really think and sit with that without having to inform him of of that. And as she was as she was thinking and, and grappling with and trying to decide what to do, she went to the two people that she would have most thought would tell her to stay with him. One was her mom. And one was his sister and her best friend, Alyssa. And both of them told her not to stay with him. But it was more the way that they told her that it was surprising the way that it was framed. So um, her mother told her pretty much to to never, she said to be, to be bold, um, something about to be bold and to be courageous, uh, something to that effect. Um, but something she told her was to never do what she did and let her limits be compromised. So she explained that like with each time her father had, had hurt her, her limits of what she would put up with grew a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. She didn't start out as that person that, not that there's a person that would just take that um, but she explained that in her mind, she never thought she would put up with that type of treatment. But every time it happened, her limits changed a little bit and flexed a little bit more. And she was she was willing to put up with more and more and more. Um, and I just thought that was a really insightful way to think about it and frame it. And it was it was I think it was surprising to Lily to hear that from her mom. Yeah, I kind of had wished throughout the whole story that she had talked to her mom more to mm-hmm. try and understand why, yeah. or even just to talk about it. It was a big thing, too. Like, the book started with her at her father's funeral, and her mom asked her to eulogize at, at the funeral, and she got up there and was like, here's five good things about my dad, and then she just stood there silently. Because she pulled her off. Yeah. Yeah. And she, the whole time, thought her mom was super mad at her for doing that. Because he was, like, a big deal in their community, like, the mayor and... The mayor, yeah. Um, 
little did they know he was beating up his wife at home. Um, and then at the end, she tells her she her mom tells her she was had never been prouder of her than at her dad's funeral. <laughs> yeah, she she initially pretended that you know she like brushed it off like oh it's okay I know you get stage fright. Um, yeah. Didn't really acknowledge what it was again. Then... Still, still at that point, still protecting him mm-hmm. for the greater good of whatever. Yeah. So that was a cool moment, and then Alyssa told her that as Ryle's um, sister, um, she would she would tell her that you know she wants she would want no one else to be with her brother because she loves her so much and thinks she's so good for her brother. But as her best friend, she said she'd never talk to her talk talk to her again if she went back to her brother. And that gave me chills. Um, when when she said that, I thought that was a super impactful moment in the book, and um, and even at that, she hadn't made her decision yet. So I think that that also surprised me that she couldn't decide leading up to that. But she, once she told Riley Ryle, um, you know that she was pregnant, she kind of said, "Hey, I don't ask me to make any any decisions until after this baby is born." Um, what did you guys think of that moment when, when she told Ryle what her decision was after, after the baby was born? Um, I thought it was a really good ending. Um, I, I, I think her, um, it's a good thing it was a daughter because she framed it as, or she asked Ryle what he would do if anyone ever hurt their daughter would he mm-hmm. tell would he tell her to to go back to that boyfriend or that husband um and that was kind of like he finally you know understood that there really should be a zero tolerance for this type of a thing um i th- i thought it was really well written i thought so too yeah and and it was she chose that particular moment after the birth while he's holding her and so clearly just you know having that that first moment with his daughter and so smitten and in love with her that you know it was like the moment of of highest impact for her to say like look at this innocent creature imagine what would what would you do if someone did to her what you did to me what would you tell her what did you think of it jewel the, her decision to tell him then just the way that or even just that the way that scene really was written yeah unfolded. yeah i was like oh she this is what she was building up to with the title mm-hmm. yeah did as as she was trying to make that decision did either of you struggle with with the decision, did did you either of you kind of go back and forth about what she should do, or did you were you of one mind about it the whole time? Like once the first time that he hurt her, did you kind of know what what you wanted for her? Um, I knew what I wanted for her, but having read Colleen Hoover, um, in the past, like I I knew it wasn't going to be that easy, as her just saying this is it. You're never going to touch me again. We're over. 
Um, I knew it wasn't going to be that easy. But you, like you yourself, like as you got to know the characters, did you struggle with, did you at any point want her to go back to Ryle or want her to stay with Ryle? Mm, no. Any part of you? No. How about you, Julia? I mean, yes and no. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, he's d- doesn't have any control over it, but when he is in his right state of mind, he is basically the perfect partner. Mm-hmm. But that that part that he has no control over is too big of a uh, unknown. Right. right. Yeah, I, I was kind of the same way. Like, it, it, he wasn't painted in that, that typical, you know, or even the way she perceived her father, and who knows how much more nuanced that actually was, because... Like you said, Julie, she didn't really talk to her mom. Maybe there'll be more of that in It Starts With Us. Maybe she'll process more of that with her mom in that book. But um, usually, you know, you, you look at someone who's, who is, you know, in, a, in a, an abusive, not, not of someone in an abusive relationship, but someone who is an abuser in a relationship, and you think about, at least I do, it, and it's too simple to think about it this way, but you assume you can it's easy to assume that they are just wanting to control and um cause pain to someone and it's as simple as that like they just they just are that's something that either gives them pleasure or is just something that they they have to do um but that's not what Ryle was like and like you said he's he's the perfect guy except for this can i add to my answer <laughs> Please. Um, I wonder if I would have felt differently and would have rooted for Ryle a little bit more if Atlas weren't there to root for more. That's also a really good point. Because I think it's pretty obvious once they run back into Atlas in Boston that she's going to end up with him, right? It's just how hard is the path going to be to actually ultimately end up back with Atlas, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, knowing the way that it's laid out and um, and knowing that he's kind of returned into her life, you also root for him mm-hmm. because their their backstory is really cute. And I mean, I wouldn't call it cute actually. It was kind of it was sad, <laughs> but very um, you know, felt very it's very impactful for both yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was formative for for both of their their I was their their first love. Um, they more they more saved each other's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so kind of rooted for both. And the other thing I struggled with was, you know, her not really struggled with, but I guess wondered about was each time that she. Uh, was hurt by Ryle, the way that she would process that and the reasons why she would go back to him. Um, I wondered, like, it made sense through the narrative of the book and as the reader, but coming from someone who has never experienced that in my life, um, wondered how authentic it would feel to someone who had and that was something I had planned on on researching at the end of the book to find out, like, what are some reactions to um, to the story. I didn't wind up doing that because the author's note wound up explaining a lot. And Julia, you kind of touched upon that. So what were, was there any, did that after reading, 
um, her, her note at the end and understanding that a lot of what she wrote into the book was from personal experience. Did that change anything about how you perceived certain things in the book? Um, or enhance it. I think it, it definitely enhanced it for me. It made me feel a little bit more like, oh, okay. Um, this is like, she does have experience. She has, she has more experience with this than I do. So like, I, I, I take it for what she says. Um, because when I was reading the first instance where Ryle, um, abuses Lily it's essentially because he drunkenly picks up a hot pan basically and she thinks it's funny because they're both drunk um and her initial reaction is to laugh and he like shoves her into a cabinet um and when I was reading that scene it felt very unrealistic to me um but knowing that that was actually in the author's note, she said that was, I think, the f- way her father first abused her mother um, was a similar si- type of situation. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to imagine if you haven't, if you, it's, I mean, still hard for me to imagine. It's, it seems, you know, like something you'd see in a movie, not something that happens in real life. Yeah. Um, unless it's happened to you. Yeah. The um the other piece of the author's note that I really appreciated and I thought um kind of enhanced the way that she ended and, and wrapped up the story was when she talked about her decision about who she was going to let walk her down the aisle because her mother did leave her father um, when she was pretty young, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, her father stayed in her life. Um, he, he was never abusive to his children, only to his wife. Um, and her mother wanted them to, didn't want them to not continue to have a relationship, but she removed herself from the marriage. And, um, so later on Colleen Hoover had a stepdad and when Colleen Hoover got married, she had to decide who was going to walk her down the aisle, whether it was going to be her um, her biological father or her stepfather, and she chose her stepfather. Um, and she said she really did that um, for her mother to show support of of her choices, and also to to show this is this is the type of relationship I want. Even though I love my my biological father, you know, I'm moving into this um, you know this this new relationship this this new marriage and i want it to be like my my mother and my stepfather and it was symbolic of that and i thought that was really um really special and it was it was cohesive with some of the things that were said at the end um and the the decision that she made um and and made the decision around her daughter to you know not just her daughter but how it involved her daughter um, and what, what helped her really have the, the courage to leave Ryle. Cool. All right. Any other final thoughts on this book? I thought we could do a quick, um, do we have any predictions for the sequel? It starts with us. But 
if there's any other burning thoughts or any any questions that either of you had about the about it ends with us um i really liked it um i'm very grateful to be in a situation where i have never witnessed that type of a pattern um and i'm very i admire anyone who has been able to um break that pattern um and my heart goes out to anyone who is unable to break it for whatever reason I will not follow that up because it was perfectly stated. I don't have any predictions for it starts with us other than I, I, the only thing I can think of is that it's a prequel, but I think that is not the case because I think Julia read the back or read the the cover for it starts with us and it's the same characters. So I, I don't know. I was, I was going to say that maybe it was a prequel or like we never really got the story on Atlas's home life, like how he ended up in that abandoned house other than he had a crummy home life. So I I would be, I don't know, interested. Or to... maybe we'll get more, more of the. Maybe we'll get Atlas's I don't know journal she'll... entries. That's what I was no, just going to say. I was going to say maybe we'll get more of what was going on from her mom's point of view mm-hmm. when it started for them. Yeah. Oh, interesting. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, it started with us. So I'm hoping that there isn't a new poor pattern beginning with Alyssa and Marshall or something. No, I'm but... thinking like maybe it started with us, like her her mom, and then a good pattern is starting with Lily and Emmy. Uh, Emma? Emmy? Emma? Emmy, I think. Short for Emerson, yeah. Yeah. Named after uh, Ryle and Alyssa's brother who was killed by Ryle. I thought the big twist was going to be, sorry, because I, 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 I've read Colleen Hoover a lot and I know that she tends to have a lot of big twists and I thought the big twist was going to be that Atlas was somehow either their long lost brother because they made mentions of them losing their brother, but they didn't really say Ooh. how or like whether he died or just, I don't know, ran away. So I was thinking that Atlas either was that long lost brother or that he had something to do with what happened to their brother. I'm kind of glad that that twist that didn't. Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad that that twist didn't come to fruition, though. I, I, yeah, not that I liked the twist. Like the twist was pretty brutal, but mm-hmm. um, that's just what I thought it was leading to. Good call. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Well, it wasn't a good call because it was wrong, but. <laughs> no, but it, it's an interesting idea because it it that I could see how. You know, as the information was unfolding, that could have been something you that you would have a, a place your brain would have gone. All right. Well, I think we all agree that this was a a really a really good read. I won't say it's all fun. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a it's a book that's going to put you through it. It's very emotional. It's very complex. Um, you know, if you are not someone that wants to hear about um, domestic abuse, you should not pick it up. Um, it, it will definitely 
delve into a lot of that. So if that's if that's not something you are wanting or expecting in a romance novel, um, it's not. It's definitely not for you. But very well written and um, really enjoyable. It was we like to say unput downable mm-hmm. for me. Um, and again, just a very a, a very strong complex emotional journey that it takes you through all right so next month uh, we'll do a quick plug for what our plans are for chapter 32 in march Um, we are going to be revisiting we're going to do something a little bit of lighter fare (laughs) going back to um, children's uh, juvenile literature and we've talked several times on this show about our love for Roald Dahl and specifically the book Matilda. So we're planning to reread Matilda uh, in conjunction with the Netflix Matilda musical that is now streaming. So we're going to maybe do some some compare and contrast, some reactions to the musical um, and revisit some of the things we loved about the book. Uh, we're also going to try to touch a little bit upon the Newbery Award winner for 2023, which is Free Water by um, Amina Lukman Dawson, um, is the, the name of the, the author of Free Water, which won the Newbery Award uh, this this year. So we're, we're going to touch on that a little bit. Megan's actually already started it. Megan, do you want to talk a little briefly about what it's about um sure i'm not all the way through it um it's a historical fiction set during um gosh i should know this uh during the the time in american history when there was still when slavery was still legal um and the main character is a young slave who in the first chapter escapes um from the plantation with his sister um, and they basically run out into the forest uh, and are now trying to find their way north. So that's what we have to look forward to next month. Until then, read, share, and repeat. Bye. 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 That brings us to a close on this chapter of Sibling Library. Thank you for listening. Until next time, let's read, share, and repeat. Repeat.